Thank you, Sheila. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Trinity. So glad you're here. It is the 8 o'clock service, and you made it. Congratulations. Um, this is a... This is like the third third Sunday in the new season of creation that the uh, the church has uh, kind of instigated a little while while back, and it's also the beginning of Hispanic Heritage Month, uh, October fifteenth to or September fifteenth to October fifteenth. So we're gonna have a little piece called Cantalo, and you're gonna help me sing that refrain uh, up there, and I'll sing it for you once. And a little a little uh, X is up there on the screen. Uh oh, yes, I hope it shows up. Maybe it's not going to show up. There should be a screen for it. Anyway, it goes like this. That's it. The little X's are clap marks. So all of these folks back here are going to help me do that. Okay? So it goes like this. Si tu puedes, cántalo, cántalo, cántalo. Si tu puedes, cántalo, cántalo, cántalo al Señor. Everybody sing it out. Sing it out, sing it out. Everybody sing it out, sing it out, sing it out to the Lord. When the first new light of the rising sun comes to wake the colors of dawn, as you stand in beauty, may you be shown you're a part of that ancient song. Si tu puedes cantalo, cantalo, cantalo. Si tu puedes, cántalo, cántalo, cántalo al Señor. Everybody sing it out, sing it out, sing it out. Everybody sing it out, sing it out, sing it out to the Lord. One more verse. When your heart is heavy, may you discover new hope in every child. And may you be filled with unexpected joy in the miracle of their smiles. Si tu puedes, cántalo, cántalo, cántalo. Si tu puedes, cántalo, cántalo, cántalo al Señor. Everybody sing it out, sing it out, sing it out. Si tu puedes, sing it out, sing it out. Sing it up to the Lord. Nice way to start the morning. There we are. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you, Sheila, for the prelude. Thank you, Carl. Uh, the choir's in their place. Thank you for that. The altar guild's already been here, setting the table for us to share the bread and wine of Holy Communion, which we'll be doing a little later in the service. And we're doing something this morning we haven't done since March of 2020. Three services back to the schedule of A930 and 11. Uh, so we're uh, thankful for that as well. Lots of people we know joining us online. Uh, shout out to Jen and Viv in the wilds of uh, McCall, Idaho. And uh, Vernon and, and Utah Wicker join us every morning, still now back in Michigan as well, and lots of others. So we're thankful for that, that community. The order of service is printed before you. And we're going to begin with uh, a hymn that is about us rising in the morning to join in this banquet, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go now to the banquet. Let us go now.
first shared uh, prayer of the mor morning is known as the Curie. Curie eleison, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy on us. Gracious Lord God, you alone are holy. We have come from the broken chaos of a fallen world to this safe place, this sanctuary, seeking words of hope and grace. Teach us now to sing. Teach us to pray. Teach us to serve. Teach us to live as you desire us to live. May we find strength in this community. May we strengthen each other. And may this worship inspire us to follow your Son, Jesus Christ, every day, in every way. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.
Good morning. The gospel lesson today is from the sixth chapter of Matthew. Jesus said, pray then like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. The choir is going to uh, invite us into, uh, into community this morning. Kijita uh, proverb, um, which you will see on the wall, I believe. Omwana ni. And um, you can see the English uh, transliteration there, regardless of the child's biological parents, the upbringing belongs to the community. So you are the village, you are the community, as we sing in praise of the village.
Wow. Thank you to the choir. And uh, also thank you just for, uh, we all sound better when you're here. All the hymns, everything, we just sound better when you're here with us. So thank you, uh, thank you for that. Uh, thank you for being here this morning. I don't, uh, you know, take that for granted uh, that you make time in your morning to come here before the Seahawks game. Um, appreciate you being here. Pastor uh, Chuck Swindoll got a letter from one of his parishioners, an 82-year-old man who decided to have lunch with his wife. And the letter said that they drove to the drive through at McDonald's and they waited and waited. You've seen the lines now uh, these days. Uh, when he arrived at the order station, he and his wife had a bit of a hard time kind of agreeing on what they wanted, kind of back and forth a little bit. And soon a woman behind them honked her horn, waved her hands, and mouthed obscenities at them. The man ordered, then he waited his turn at the pay station, and uh, once there he told the young man there that he wanted to pay for his meal, but he also wanted to pay for the order of the woman behind him in line. He was a Christian, and he felt the least he could do was to return her rudeness with kindness, so he paid, and he continued to the next window. When the woman discovered her good fortune, she started waving happily out the window, and mouthing, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. The man then arrived at the pickup window. He showed uh, the two receipts to the young woman. He said, I'll take both orders. <laughs> he turned to his wife and said, uh, she can think about her actions as she drives back to get in the line. <laughs> the moral of the story, never mess with old people. <laughs> They've been around a long time. We're going to refocus now on Jesus and important lessons today. He had been arrested. He had been bitterly betrayed. He had been beaten beyond recognition. He spent the night in darkness in the bowels of the earth. Nails cut through his flesh. He was on display. He was a reminder to all of what happens when you challenge the power of the empire or if you threaten the position of religious people. He was on the cross alone, 33 years old. His life would soon be over. And it was then that he garnered all the energy he had to utter a phrase that will inform us this morning, a phrase that should guide us through life. It was a deathbed teaching the great rabbi's final words would be uttered from the cross of his execution. And those words, we'll get to those in a minute. But first let me ask you personally, who is it? Who is it that you need to forgive? Who is it that you need to put behind you? What burdens in the past are you carrying, dragging around with you even as they continue to drag you down? living with bitterness that keeps you from living abundantly. Who is it? Are they alive? Or are they dead? Do you still see them from time to time? Or are they only being held in the recesses of your mind? Who is it? Can you complete the sentence for me? Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us talking about forgiveness this morning. That's our topic. And it's a topic, unlike some, this pertains to everyone here. Because every day we need forgiveness from our co-workers or our friends. Every day we need forgiveness from the people we love and live with. And if there happens to be a day in your life when you do not personally need forgiveness, well then the odds are pretty good that there is someone who could benefit from hearing words of forgiveness from you. Now, our text this morning, the assigned text, is found in the Gospel of Matthew, the 18th chapter. And Jesus had just finished telling his followers how to deal with conflict in the community of faith. Peter was reflecting on this teaching, and now he was looking for some practical application. You see, there must be a point when grace gives way 
to the law, right? There must be some limits. And Peter wanted to be sure that he understood how to draw the line. So Peter addressed Jesus saying, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? Now, most rabbis in Jesus' day would have said, you shall forgive three times. Three times is fair, more than fair. Three times would show that you are patient and you are graceful. Three times is enough. But, you know, Peter knew Jesus at this point. He had been around him for the better part of three years. He had seen Jesus in action, and he was beginning to get this grace thing. So Peter decided that he would, like, double down on grace. He would assume that he was to be extra generous, over the top, grace times two, plus one. Jesus, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? The other disciples shook their heads. There goes Peter again. He's such a brown nose, that one. Such a show-off. And Jesus said, no, Peter, not seven times, but I tell you, 70 times seven. Peter was now, like, getting a headache. He was sorry he had even asked. Seven times 70? That's absurd, is it not? It's ridiculous. It's laughable. 490 times? Who could possibly keep track of that? Think of the accounting, the record keeping that it would demand. Names on paper, lots of pencils, 490 times. That's once a week, every week, for 10 years. Are you kidding me, Jesus? But you know what? Jesus was just warming up. He said, let me tell you a story that will help you to remember this and help you to understand. It will help you to understand God's way. He said, there once was a king. Kings, as you know, are are kind of all-powerful. Well, this king wanted to settle his accounts with his subjects. And the first man that was brought before the throne owed the king 10,000 talents. (laughs) You're not following me? You're not laughing? Did you hear what I said? Well, the disciples were laughing. I got to tell you, they were belly laughing. They were slapping their knees. That Jesus, he's got a good sense of humor. You see, 10,000 talents was a laughable amount of money. King Herod, the real king, the one who had big palaces all over, the real king had a total annual income of 900 talents. 10,000 talents. The average worker would have to work 150,000 years in order to make 10,000 talents. It would be the equivalent of about $10 billion today. You could buy a lot of camels and falafel with money like that. It was a laughable amount. No slave or common man or common woman could get their hands on money like that, and no bank would approve that kind of loan, and yet... Here he was, laid bare before the king, owing 10,000 talents. He could not pay. Of course he could not pay. No one could possibly repay such a debt. The king, now consistent with common practice, ordered that the man would be sold. Knowing that the sale would hardly put a dent in the debt, he ordered, too, that his wife and his children would be sold, too. And he didn't stop there. He said, sell his car, sell his golf cart, sell his iPhone. Sell everything until the payment's been made in full. And as this verdict was announced, the man fell on his knees. Desperate times call for desperate measures. There's no pride when you're in a pickle like this. And he said, please, please, I beg you. Have mercy on me, show patience with me, and I will repay you everything I owe you. Remember now, the balance on his visa bill was $10 billion. I think we could say that it was absurd that he could ever repay. Now, except for the muffled laughter that was present in the throne room, everything else was silent. Then the unexpected happened. The king took pity on him. The king released 
the man and forgave his debt. The disciples were shocked. This was shocking, but not as shocking as what happened next. Jesus continued. He said, the man left the courtroom with a bounce in his step. It was as if the weight of the world had been lifted off his shoulders. He had just won the lottery. Bounding down the stairs of the palace in freedom, the man then noticed something. What caught his eye? A fellow very much like him, born on the wrong side of the tracks, lacking means and opportunity. He saw this man, and he remembered that this bum owed him a hundred denarii. The disciples laughed again. The master storyteller continued. Oh, oh you might be wondering, what's a hundred denarii? That'd be about 17 to 20 dollars, depending on the exchange rate. The one forgiven by the king seized his brother by the throat and demanded to be paid. He said, pay me what you owe me, you slacker, or I'll see you in prison. The terrified man fell on his knees, trembled and begged, saying, please, sir, have patience with me, and I promise that I will pay you every cent. I'll sell my Keurig tomorrow on Drew's list, and I'll give you your money. The request was beyond reasonable. It was very reasonable. We're talking about 20 bucks here. But the forgiven man would not hear it. He was not in the mood to show mercy. And he had the man thrown in prison, and there he would remain until he could repay his debt. Well, when the king heard about this, he was um, outraged, and so was everyone else. The king summoned him back into the throne room and let him have it. He said, you bum, you miserable, ungrateful bum. I forgave you the national debt and you could not show mercy over a lousy 20 bucks? I had mercy on you. Could you not in return have found it in your heart to forgive this man? And the court was silent. And there was no response. What response could there be? The king then demanded that the man be taken from his sight, never to be seen again. Take him to the darkest dungeon and torture him there. Torture him until he repays his entire debt. And I'm guessing that if he worked for eternity, that he would never even make the minimum payment on that visa card. That's the story. And Jesus looked out at the horrified faces of his followers. Peter was there. Peter had asked how often they were expected to forgive the bums in their own life. And Jesus closed the lecture by saying, so my heavenly Father will also do to you if you do not forgive your sister or brother from your heart. Wow, huh? Now before we bring this story home, Let's just think for a second how it could have been. Think of what a different story this would have been if the forgiven man would only have left that palace with the weight of the world off his shoulders and upon meeting the one who owed him money, instead of choking him and demanding payment, he would have simply put his arm around him and said, hey, hey, my friend, about that 20 bucks you owe me, forget about it. Take your family out to dinner, or better yet, let's have a party together. It's on me. Let's have a party so I can share my good fortune with everyone, for the king has forgiven my debt. If the story had ended this way, no one would be in prison. No one would be tortured. There would be two happy servants, there'd be two happy wives, two happy families, and on the throne, a very happy king. But it was not to be. The forgiven slave never truly experienced his own forgiveness because he couldn't share it with others. The joy of forgiveness was lost in the trivial greed which consumed him, and the parable did end with two unhappy slaves, two unhappy wives, two unhappy families, and one very unhappy king. 
Lord, forgive us our sins as we, as we forgive those who sin against us. No, Peter, we cannot keep score and experience abundant life. Keeping score of others' mistakes, keeping track of all the wrongs that people have done to us, you know, it's really pretty time-consuming. It's energy-draining. It's a life-taking task. We simply don't have time to count to seven, much less 490. And if we find the time, if we find the energy to track others' offenses, to keep score, to hold on to grudges, then we have a job for life, don't we? We are the jail keeper, holding others in bondage. We will not let them go until their debt to us has been paid. But you know what? In fact, there's no one in the cell. We are guarding an empty cell. We're all alone. If we cannot let go, if we cannot forgive, then we have sentenced, not them, no, we've sentenced ourselves. We are destined to live out our days in prison, a prison of our own making, alone in a prison of bitterness and vengeance. Alone, that's right. Those who have, who have betrayed us are not in that cell. They don't care if they offended us, or they don't even know that they offended us, or they were never simply taught how to apologize and take responsibility for their own actions. You see, if you're waiting for them to come out groveling at our feet, then we are likely to waste our lives and eternity waiting for something that's not ever going to happen. If we cannot forgive, if we cannot let go, then we live in the past while drinking daily poison of bitterness. God has forgiven you all your sins. That's right, all your sins. God has wiped out a clean slate for you. Your $10 billion debt has been forgiven. So can you? Can you let go of the 20 bucks owed to you by your first husband? Or by your parents who were less than perfect? Or by your neighbor whose trees block your view? Or by ungrateful children who never call home unless they need another 20 bucks? See, the question is, how do you want to live the rest of your life? You can choose your profession. Do you want to be a jailkeeper, a scorekeeper, a historian who carefully chronicles every offense? Or would you rather, like, work for the publishing clearinghouse? Got a check for you. New beginnings, spreading the king's grace and generosity to all. So just to end with three quick images, because you're going to forget what I said, but you might remember the images. The first is this one. What is it? It's a scorebook. You've seen them like at basketball games, one thing or another. In it, you can keep track of every offense, every slight, everyone has ever done to hurt you. And you can keep it right by your bed. And then you can check it every night before you go to sleep, and it'll guarantee you a bitter night's sleep. And then the second thing is, is like right here. And you don't know what's in here, but maybe some of you do. It's like a, a bag of rocks. It's a bag of rocks. So what you do, basically, this will be helpful for you. You can try this exercise. Basically, what you do is you, you take rocks, and then you put the name of someone who you really don't like, who really has been mean to you or something, and you just put their name right on there. <laughs> and, uh, and then you just put it in the bag, and then you just carry it around with you all the time. You see, that's going to show them. You can carry the bag around you, and it will guarantee you that you're going to have a bad back and a bad attitude. Or finally, you could try this. You all have phones. You have photos on your phones. I have pictures of my grandkids. I'll show them to you. They make me smile. They make me happy. But you should have another section in your phone, a section filled with all the mug shots of the bums who owe you money or an apology. Don't let them go. You know, take them with you to work, to play, and on vacation and stuff. You know, Silly, isn't it? So choose your profession. Do you want to be a scorekeeper? Do you want to be a rock collector? Do you want to be a jailkeeper? Or do you want to maybe follow Jesus? He had been arrested. He had been bitterly betrayed. He had been beaten beyond recognition. He had spent the night in darkness in the bowels of the earth. 
Nails had cut his flesh. He was on display there on that cross. He was a reminder to what happens if you challenge the power of the empire or threaten the position of religious people. He was alone on that cross, 33 years old, and his life would soon be over. And it was then that he garnered all the energy he had to utter a phrase that informs us. It was a deathbed teaching. The great rabbi's final words would be uttered, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus refused to take the sins of others to the other side. Jesus refused to carry the poison of anger and bitterness and pain to his death on the other side. Jesus, the great rabbi, would teach his final lesson with his final breath. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Who is it? Don't tell me. Forgive them. Jesus, King of angels, heaven's light, shine your face upon this house tonight. Let no evil come into my dreams. Light of heaven, keep me Remind me how you made dark spirits flee And spoke your power to the raging sea And spoke your mercy to a sinful man Remind me, Jesus, for this is what I am. The universe is vast beyond the stars. But you are mindful when a sparrow falls. Mindful of the anxious thoughts that find me surround me and bind me with all my heart i love you sovereign lord tomorrow let me love you even more to speak the goodness of your name until I close my eyes and sleep again the universe is a vast beyond the stars but you are mindful when a sparrow falls Mindful of the anxious thoughts that find me, surround me, and bind me. Jesus, King of angels, heaven's light. Hold my hand and keep me through the night. Cheryl's going to lead us in the prayers. You may remain seated. Um, each petition will end, God of mercy, and our response, hear our prayer. Good and loving God, 
we know that the sun will rise. We bring you prayers of joy and heartache, prayers of mourning and dancing, and we ask that you would gather these prayers in just as you gather us. Hear us as we pray. Holy God, we give you prayers of gratitude for this church home. Thank you for the children who tread our halls with bubbling energy and holy joy. God of mercy, hear our prayer. Thank you for the musicians and readers, servers and greeters, pastors and ushers, and all who help us feel your welcome and your presence. God of mercy, hear our prayer. Thank you for the cups of coffee, tea, juice, and cookies. Thank you for the hugs of greeting and consolation. God of mercy, hear our prayer. And God, in addition to prayers of joy, we also bring you prayers of lament. We pray for those who are without a home, for those sleeping under bridges and on park benches. We pray for those who have lost their homes, for the victims of the horrific earthquake in Morocco, and for those trying to survive the devastation in Libya as they grieve for the thousands who have perished. May we be a part of healing those wounds. God of mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, you have invited us and all people to the meal, a meal of love, of hope, and a meal of forgiveness. May we understand the power of this symbol of care for your world and share forgiveness with all that we meet. God of mercy, hear our prayer. God, it is not lost on us today how fortunate we are to have a home in you and a home in this community. Inspire, motivate, and show us how to continue throwing open the doors even wider so that all might feel at home in this space. Hear our prayers today as we trust in your forgiveness. Amen. Peace be with you. I invite you to stand up and share the peace. Thank you for sharing in that green the peace. Take that, uh, take that good energy over into the coffee hour after the service. Coffee, cookies, juice, uh, tea over there. Um, whole different schedule now. Check your bulletin very carefully. Lots of things going on in the church all week long, so please... Uh, Pay attention to those, ask questions, get involved. I know Lana's looking for lots of volunteers as we move into the fall. There's a table in the gym. You can sign up there. You can talk to Lana about ushering or reading. That would be very helpful, uh, serving coffee hour. So do that. Uh, Also, um, now into this new summer uh, fall schedule, uh, we'll be looking at the adult forum, Sunday forum, which will be down every Sunday in the fireside room all the way down the hall to the left. There's uh, uh, flyers out there that tell you uh, many of the things that are coming up. So join them today at 930. You can take your coffee and cookies down there with you. You can do that. There will be Sunday school as well going on for our young people. Now, uh, this week, uh, Thursday is a big day for us. Uh, We have a noon luncheon. So that's like kind of got a tailgate theme, though eating inside. Uh, Tailgate theme, tailgate food. Uh, Sign up out in the narthex if you're going to come to that. That's at noon. We eat what you bring. So bring food. 
so that's that. Um, and then later that night, uh, we have a dinner uh, kind of friends and family fun night uh, called Bikes, Wheels, and Barbecue. So if you've got a motorcycle or a uh, bicycle, you can come out and uh, come out. And that's an event as well on, on Thursday night. Um, high school youth group meets this Wednesday, 7 p.m. So just so you know that. Uh, okay. Brad Walker, a uh, dear member of our parish, died on Thursday night. Um, and uh, Brad had a long struggle with cancer and died on Thursday night. Uh, his widow, Eileen, and we'll have information. He's in the directory, so you could send a card. And uh, la that last evening, Don Scriven died. Uh, Don's been fighting cancer as well. And Don died last night, so keep Lynn in your prayers. Those services are pending. We'll let you know as soon as we have uh, more information on that. Um, lots of other announcements printed in your bulletin. Encourage you to look at those. Uh, Carl, anything? Good? Ron plays at uh, Tilth until 2 o'clock. That's it. Okay, good. <laughs> Worried about Holy Communion? All are welcome, always. This is not a Lutheran table. It's not our table. It's the Lord's table. There's only one host, and that's Jesus, and he invites you to come. Doesn't matter how much of a prodigal you've been. Doesn't matter how long you've been wandering away from the church. You're welcome here today by the invitation of Jesus. You'll come forward to the a little Jordan River there, a baptismal font. You'll receive the host. Hold on to it for a moment. Then entinct it into the chalice, the blood of Christ, all grape juice today. And if you're gluten-free, uh, let us know. We have elements for you as well. If it's comfortable now, as we transition towards communion, I'd invite you to stand. We gather now at a table that welcomed our parents and grandparents. This is a table that will welcome Christians of a variety of colors, cultures, and denominations all across the globe as we find our unity here in our humanity and in the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we do so, remember Thursday night in an upper room in Jerusalem. It was the night in which he was betrayed. And on this night, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray. Our Father, For you, the people of God, all are welcome. Please come. You may be seated. So may all your people from all the ends of earth 
be gathered into one in you. Let this be a foretaste of all that is to come when all creation shares this feast with you. As the grains of wheat, once scattered on the hill,
May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. Amen. Fed and forgiven, go out those doors to make a difference where God puts you this week. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending him light dawns on a weary world. Thank you.